um, as I prepared uh, for this morning, um, obviously have thought a lot about what's going on in Ukraine and Russia and um, world events. Um, but I thought a lot about the church. I uh, thought about the church in Ukraine and how I've seen pictures of Russians and Ukrainians worshiping together over the last few days. Um, one pastor was quoted as, if my church is still standing in the morning, I will preach. And um, that is what I'm going to do this morning. Our church is here. We have gathered together and I will preach um, the Word, the Word of God. And we've been in the book of Daniel. And if you want to go ahead and turn there, we're at the end of chapter 2. And we have seen Daniel uh, come into the court of King Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He couldn't remember it. He asked his um, wise men to tell him the dream. And, well, none of them could do it because, well, because they're not that wise. Okay? Um, they, they don't know. And so he's like, well, you're all going to die. Uh, I'm going to kill you all if you can't tell me the dream. And then Daniel steps up and says, hey, get me in front of the king and I will tell him his dream. He and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, go pray. God reveals the dream to Daniel, and then he goes before Nebuchadnezzar and tells him this dream with an interpretation, with the interpretation. And that is what we were in last week, is the interpretation of this dream. And so we get to the very end, the last four verses of Daniel chapter 2, and we see the response from Nebuchadnezzar. And that's where we are. And as I have thought about the church globally, uh, obviously that led me to think about our church, about North Hills, and the foundation in which we are founded on. North Hills was not founded on a mission statement. It wasn't founded on a personality or a particular brand of Christendom. It was not founded on a worship style, but it was founded upon Christ who has saved us. It is the foundation of North Hills, and it is the foundation of any true church. When my brothers and sisters around the globe get up this morning and preach Christ, they are proclaiming the foundation of the church, Jesus Christ. And the truth is, a church, a gathering, um, can say whatever they want to, but the foundation of the church is whatever the group of people are turning their hearts to. They're giving themselves over to, they're thinking about, they're, consider, they're pointing themselves to, their hearts are turned towards something. And I believe with all my being that at North Hills we are desiring to turn our hearts to God. I believe of churches around this globe this morning, the last several hours as sun has risen around the world, they have proclaimed Jesus Christ, the foundation of the church. This morning, 
we will see a leader who, with his lips, proclaims a truth about God. However, the foundation of his words um, is not there. It is not within the foundation of his being, the foundation of his heart, the attitude of his heart is not turned towards God. So let's read the end of Daniel chapter 2, verses 46 through 49, and it says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we look at your word, as we consider uh, this text and, and understand um, the, the hearts of men. Um, may you turn our hearts to you. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. This morning, there's really two things going on here in this passage. Um, it's Daniel and God. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar is responding to Daniel and he interacts with Daniel and then very briefly has a statement about, oh yeah, you, you told me this was from God, so I guess I should stay, say this. So, so this morning, as we look at this, we're just going to do it and in, in, we're going to approach it from that thing. We're going to talk about uh, Nebuchadnezzar's response to Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar's response to God. And we're going to handle Daniel first um, because that's where it starts. Daniel had just gotten finished with proclaiming the truth that God had revealed to him. He had said all these things, and he even included Nebuchadnezzar in the interpretation. He's like, you're this guy. You're the guy with gold. And we get to the end, and Daniel, like, it's a pretty cool statement. I don't know. If I were ending an interpretation, this is probably how I would do it. This dream is certain, and it's interpretation, sure. So, you know, it, like it's like putting a stamp on it. He, Daniel said, like, yep, this is from God. This is true. And so Nebuchadnezzar obviously has been wrestling well. Like he was willing to kill all of his wise men because he couldn't remember this dream. Or that's what we believe. He couldn't get to this dream. And Daniel has relieved the tension in his mind. And so he fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and then tried to offer up offering and incense to him. Um. While this could be that Nebuchadnezzar is trying to worship, and that is, in my mind, that's probably what has happened. Like, Nebuchadnezzar didn't know anything else. Like, he, he heard this, and he's like, this was not a mere man. Like, th this, this could not have been. Like, he understood that what just happened was a miracle. Um, and so, Nebuchadnezzar falls at the feet of Daniel and tries to give him offerings. And uh, there are some that would say that 
this was just gratitude out of Nebuchadnezzar's heart. We don't know the position of Nebuchadnezzar's heart. We don't know what his attitude was toward Daniel. We don't even really know if there was just some pomp and circumstance around this. You know, is we all we have is these few sentences. We have four verses about his response. But it does clearly say that Nebuchadnezzar commanded that there be an offering and incense offered up to Daniel. Um, because we don't have all the interaction, there was not a, a recorder in the court. You know, we didn't have somebody typing out every word. Uh, we have what Holy God desires us to have, and we can see something. Um, the verse 47 begins with, the king answered. So it was as if there was a response from Daniel. There was, there was something that, that Daniel had, had said after the king had offered up these offerings. Um, and for two reasons, I'm going to give you, I believe that Nebuchadnezzar was intending to worship, but Daniel refused. Um, because of these words, that's one, the king answered and said to Daniel, and then he takes his time to talk about God. He, he, he says, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and the revealer of this. So he took the, the moment to say, okay, I understand, Daniel, you, okay, I get it. You're, you're trying to tell me where this is coming from. But, okay, your God is God of gods. Um, so in that recent, I, I believe wholeheartedly that Nebuchadnezzar um, is trying to worship falsely um, Daniel. Um, but also, as we look at other passages of Scripture, if you turn over to Acts chapter 10. Peter and Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, I'm going to read... Uh, two separate pieces of this. So you can stay with me. Acts chapter 10, I'm going to start in verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, the centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly a vision, an angel of the God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God, and now send me send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who had spoken to him had departed, he called two of his servants, a devout soldier from among those who attended him, and have related everything to them. He sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open, and something like a great sheet descended, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, I have never eaten any 
that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time. And what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the things were taken up at once to heaven. And we'll skip over to verse 23. The next day he rose and went out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Then Peter entered Cornelius, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he sent him in and found many persons gathering. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me that I have not called any person uncommon or unclean. So we see in this account in Acts that Peter uh, and Cornelius, they're having this interaction and Cornelius fell at his feet, tried to worship, and Peter picked him up and said, Dude, I'm just a man. Uh, don't worship me. I, I'm not the one to be worshipped. Um, and that is in a picture that we get in Scripture that worship is not for men. Worship is for our God. That's clear. And so in the account in Daniel, it to me is clear that as Nebuchadnezzar was trying to pay homage and offering an incense, Daniel averted that to the attention to God. He he said, this is where, and, and Nebuchadnezzar complied and said this, okay, your God is God, and makes this statement uh, about Daniel's God. But I, there's also something in that passage in Acts that I believe parallels to us, and if you paid attention in Peter's vision he was looking and there's these animals like in his mind unclean animals and he's like Lord I've never eaten any of these common unclean animals jump over the page and this is why Peter actually even went to Cornelius' house He says, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So he used this vision with the animals to show Peter that the Lord, his God, is not saving an ethnicity. I can't say that word. He's not saving a people based on the race of them. He is saving them based on his good and perfect will. He is saving his people who are of all tribes and all nations. And we see in Daniel that Nebuchadnezzar, who has just been told that all the kingdoms of the world will not last, His kingdom included, and all those that would go after him will not last. There is only one eternal kingdom. But there is one who is like a stone who has not been cut by human hands, and his kingdom will crush all those, and it will last for all of eternity. That is Christ. That is Jesus. That is 
clear. That is, that is the one who, in Daniel's terms, was to come. It is the one who has come as we look back. It is Jesus Christ. His kingdom is forever. And it is not based on property lines. It is not based on your skin. It is not based on your background. It is not based on anything other than faith in Christ. Make sure. Our place in the kingdom of God is not based on whether we're sitting in this building every Sunday morning. Our place in the kingdom of God is not based on how much good we do. It is not based on the things that we have said or have not said or the things that we do or don't do. It is based solely on the work of Jesus Christ. Daniel, looking forward to that, would have understood. He would have known that as this interpretation that was before him, like he knew what was to come. They, they, they've talked about the Messiah. They've, they've, they've dreamed and hoped and planned for the Messiah to come. This to Daniel was hope. This, this interpretation was the hope of the one who was to come. Nebuchadnezzar could only see a man. Fell at his feet, tried to give him an offering. He ultimately promoted Daniel, gave him gifts, and promoted him to chief prefect. Big word for, hey, he gets to sit in the court and be counsel to the king. Daniel went from being um, taken from his home country as a, as a young kid and now is going to sit in the court of the king. Daniel is bold enough to ask for, hey, his friends to get something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um not going to lie, if I was in that position, I'd be asking for some of my friends some stuff too. I just told the king off. He tried to worship me and I had to stop him. And then, well, might as well. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are put over affairs outside of the court. And these promotions are setting up God's plan for what we will see in the coming chapters. You know, we, the spoiler, spoiler alert, um, here in the next few chapters, we're going to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace. You know, a little bit after that, we're going to see Daniel in a lion's den. If you didn't know that, sorry. Um, you should read ahead a little bit. Um, if, if, or ask a five-year-old here. So, um, but we, we see that God's plan was for them to end up in a furnace or a den of lions. 
it's God's providence for that to happen. Like, it was also God's providence for Judah to be overtaken by Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon. We many times um, assume the blessings of God to be something that the world deems good. Okay? Uh, I get to go on vacation. Hashtag blessed. Um, I get to hang out at the movies for a night with my kids. Hashtag blessed. Uh, no, that's I, those are great things. I, they're they're good. They're 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 healthy. They're good, and I, I believe that the Lord has allowed those things to happen in our life. But the blessings of God are about bringing about glory to Himself. The blessings of God are not merely to make you comfortable, your life easy, or pleasing. That is not what God's providence is about. It is about doing His will so that the world around us can see what He has done and who He is. Nebuchadnezzar got a a brief glimpse. God's people are a constant testimony to the world around us. God's people are a constant testimony to His good and perfect plan. Daniel is no different. He's being used by God, and he just did something that was miraculous. God allowed him to see a dream that was not known to him and provided the interpretation for it. That's a miracle. Nebuchadnezzar saw that. And that leads us to his... I'm going to say response to God. But if we read this, he didn't even say this to God. Maybe we should say his response about God. Nebuchadnezzar says to Daniel in verse 47, Truly your God is God of gods, and Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Like, even in the middle of acknowledging or seeing a miracle, and Daniel, who had told, that this didn't come from me, this, this came from my God, this, this interpretation, this re- revelation of your dream, didn't come out of the inside of me, it came from God, And the king could only bow to Daniel. He could only see Daniel and he could only talk to Daniel and he only had thoughts toward the man in front of him. He said, you have been able to reveal this mystery. Talking to Daniel. Acknowledgement without understanding looks like flattery. But in this case, like it would appear that the king is trying to appease Daniel. 
Like he's, okay, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings. Okay, let's move back to you. You're, you're the one that revealed this to me. I want to talk more about you. Uh, one commentator says this <clears throat> about the whole situation. The principal theological emphasis in Daniel is absolute sovereignty of Yahweh, the God of Israel. At a time when it seemed that all the world that his call, to all the world that his cause was lost, and that the gods of the heathen had triumphed, causing his temple to be burned to the ground, it pleased the Lord strikingly and unmistakably to display his omnipotence. The theme running through the whole book is that the fortunes of kings and the affairs of men are subject to God's decrees and that he is able to accomplish his will despite the most determined opposition of the mightiest opponents on earth. He then goes and says all of these miracles that had happened, the Daniel revealing the dream and them being... Um, more strong after re- refusing the king's food and his, the friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and Daniel in the lion's den. All of these things clearly show that the Lord of God of Israel was in charge of the tide of human affairs and was perfectly able to deliver his people from pagan oppression during their captivity. The great and most important theme of Daniel is that there is but one God, who is Jehovah, and that he is sovereign over the events of history. This is true. This is, this, is, this is it. This is what we have seen, that God used Nebuchadnezzar to bring about his purposes in Judah, in, in his people. He brought them into captivity for a reason, turned their hearts to him. We see now that... God is using his people in the middle of Babylon to proclaim God's sovereignty. Say, God is in control and there is one to come that will create a, an eternal kingdom. One that is unlike anything the world has ever seen. Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged this, but did not have faith. There's a big difference in knowing about God and having faith. Faith is how one is saved. It is by grace through faith that one is saved. It is not by grace through work. It is not by means of work to get to faith. It is not by any other thing than the gracious gift of God bringing about faith in His people. He has done that through Christ. Christ has come to save His people. Christ has come to atone for the sins of His people. Christ has come to show the world that He loves His people. And that has been the theme from the beginning of your Bible. 
God is always about the redemption of His people. There are many that would say lots of things about God. We, we have many that in times of trouble, please pray. I'm, I'm telling you to pray. Yes, you should pray. But there are many that, that, will, that will turn to, to the things of God and never turn their hearts to Him. There are churches that look to the things of God and their foundation is not on Him. Not because they don't know, because they have been told. They're without excuse. Nebuchadnezzar had the opportunity here to turn his heart to God. This morning, we have the same opportunity. We, we can turn our hearts to Him. You know, the, the words that Nebuchadnezzar used, we typically hear God, you know, God of God, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That's the, the normal way that we've heard that and if you look in the new testament it's the it's the way it's typically written there's several places that lord of lord and king of kings but here nebuchadnezzar says your god is god of gods which is common but he says lord of kings okay well why well Nebuchadnezzar was a king. He was proclaiming there that Daniel's God should be his Lord. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar didn't get it. I don't get it. Nebuchadnezzar had no intention of that being true. Nebuchadnezzar had a polytheistic worldview, meaning that he had all the gods and he collected them. He wanted all the things from the temple in Jerusalem, he wanted them all brought so he could have all the trinkets. He, he wanted all the things and he wanted to have all his bases covered. He viewed the world very differently than you and I. And he gets to this and he is treating the God of Daniel as if he was just some other being that he could put into a warehouse. He's saying, I know what you're saying, Daniel. I understand. But, you know, I got all these other gods over here. So let's just go on. We'll give him his tip of the hat. We'll thank him for revealing this. And we'll move on. In some of your Bibles, there's like these little subscript little letters 
periodically through, and they're cross-references. You should use them. You should learn how to use them. It's good. One of them, in my Bible anyway, is on that Lord of Kings thing, and on that phrase, Lord of Kings. And one of the cross-references for that is 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6 says in verses 11 to 16. <clears throat> <coughs> but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who is his testimony who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time he who is in the blessed and only sovereign the king of kings and lord of lords who alone has immorality, immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. And to that I would say amen. To him be honor and eternal dominion forever. Our kingdoms on earth were never going to make it the governments the institutions the leaders they were never going to cut it there was one who is Christ who has established his eternal kingdom and turn to him today place your faith in him do not merely give lip service and church do not forget the foundation of which we are founded because the day will come when something will happen it is only foundation of Jesus Christ that will last we are not guaranteed tomorrow but if tomorrow never comes the Lord of Lords and God of gods who he will sit on his throne forever let's pray father You alone are God. You have shown yourself merciful, gracious. You have shown yourself to be true, mighty, most definitely shown yourself to be in sovereign control over this world. 
Father, this morning as we continue to worship you for who you are, I pray that you will turn our hearts to you. That we will not merely give lip service. Father, may the songs that we sing be the song of the hearts of your people. Father, may brothers and sisters around this globe look to you as the foundation of your church. It's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray.